Broadcasting from the business capital of the world, this is the Podcast Business News Network. Oh, we need to talk to this woman. And you need to listen. If you are a, a parent of a teen and you continually say this to yourself, my kid's driving me crazy. It's, I, don't, I don't know how to deal with everything that's going on here. She helps parents with that all the time. She's an author, speaker, a coach for parents. They call her the teen genie. You know, when you have a, a genie and three wishes in the bottle, if one of your wishes is to navigate the teen years a little easier with your kids, I've got Elizabeth Bennett joining us on the program today. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? Good morning. I'm fabulous. A little silly here, but it's, I'm good just the same. I just have one sentence I'm going to share with you, and that is, I have a 15-year-old and a 17-year-old. Put a period at the end of that sentence, and I have digestion issues. <laughs> yeah, you think I'm kidding? I'm always honest and transparent. I had you know tests done yesterday. I know it's all about stress, and I know, and I love them. I'd do anything for them. Take a bullet, all of that. But teens are a challenge, especially today. Are you hearing that from other parents, too? Oh, absolutely. And certainly having been in the field of education for over 35 years, I've had the luxury experience of living with them every day. And the bonus for me was I got to send them home. <laughs> ah, yes, yes. And, and well, you're also a grandparent as well now, right? I am, yeah. Uh, kids are uh, two-year-old, seven, and nine. And so I'm beginning to see it more often at younger and younger ages. So we need to be having conversations with our kids, even yeah. when they're nine, because they get it. Uh, I have an older one from a, another marriage who is now 28. And when I think back, it was different. It was just different. And that wasn't that far back. But Today's teens, lots of challenges when it comes to social media and all of that. What do you, what would you say is the one resounding thing that you hear from parents of teens uh, that they're they're dealing with right now? That they they don't know how to connect with their teens, and partly that's because everybody has their faces in cell phones. And as wonderful as cell phones are for you know, providing us with information and everything is at our fingertips. It's also a place of social isolation and it's killing people, really, truly. I mean, it's killing their hopes and dreams, but it's also having an impact on kids and suicide. A hundred percent. And if you look at the CDC here in the United States, we have a mental health crisis and the number one cell demographic for that uh, mental health crisis are teenage girls where it's been said that almost half of them have considered taking their lives. That comes from the government. Yeah, it, I mean, similar statistics in Canada right now in North America. Suicide is the second cause of death of teens and kids as young as eight and nine are taking their lives. We need to be responsible for making that difference. And that's part of what I talk about in terms of courageous conversations. I I recently wrote a book. Well, in 22, I released a book called Courageous Conversations, a guide for parents to understand and connect with their teens. Because we need to be having different kinds of conversations. But oftentimes, and this is similar to folks that I work with in business and industry, right? Um, they 
they sort of oh, avoid having those courageous conversations because they don't want to hear what's going on or they don't know what to deal with or they don't know how to say things. And so we just say things like, oh, well, that's just how they are and, oh, I'm just giving them some space and, uh, oh, I'm just – and we're not addressing the concerns and the, the, uh, the underlying things that are going on with kids because, I mean, you mentioned before about – you know, how things are different. Well, the pendulum has swung way from one end when I was growing up and, you know, kids should be seen and not heard and money doesn't grow on trees and don't cry if I, or I'll give you something to cry about or, you know, boy, boys shouldn't cry. They need, you need to have a stiff upper lip and, you know, don't let those things bother you. Just go off and do whatever. And the pendulum has swung way in the other direction where, you know, Parents want to be their kid's best friend when they're 10. No. You know, be their best friend when they're, you said you had an older child, when they're 28. Mm. Sit down and have a a dinner with them and a glass of wine and talk about stuff. But right now, they need for you to be their support system as well as creating boundaries so that they know that there's safety and that there's somebody who has their back. Because there's so many things going on for kids these days that they don't know how to deal with them. They don't have the strategies. They don't have the skills. In some cases, they don't have anybody to help support them, to move them forward, or to be on that journey with them. It's a delicate balance where it is. You, you want to want to make them feel like you're there as a friend, like relatable. Let's say relate to their music and and you know connect with them and their friends. You know, let's face it. You want to be the cool parent, but at the same time, you need to be the parent. How do you strike yeah. that balance? Or is it just, it's, it's, it's not something that you really can do? You know what? It, it, part of and why I call them courageous conversations is you need to step out of your comfort zone. And you need to be a little bit more vulnerable. And you need to be able to say, look, it, I don't know everything. And I want to be able to help and support you. But I'm noticing that we're moving further apart, you know, you go to your room and you're, you've got your cell phone on or your earbuds or you're watching video games or you're, you're disengaging. And, and really, as a parent, I want to be able to know what's going on. I'm not trying to be nosy, but at the same time, I want to know how I can help support you with things that are happening. Because, I mean, kids are dealing with, you know, they, are they wearing the right do they have the right hair color and the hairstyle? You know, do they have friends? Uh, what's the stuff that's going on in their classroom? What are the expectations from their parents? You know, if they're in athletics or they're in drama or they're in whatever kind of activity, or maybe they're not in anything and they don't know how to connect with kids. Or they're being bullied and harassed in every single class that they go into because that happens. And sometimes they're trying to deal with it by themselves because they feel like if they tell you about it, you're going to stir up a fuss by going to the school and yelling and screaming at the principal to say, my kid's being bullied, and then that just makes the situation worse. However, what we need to do is have a different kind of conversation about that and so many other things, even if it's in in little bits and little chunks at a time, to say, hey, so tell me something that's going on at school. Tell Tell me about what's happening with your friends. You know, are you going places? Are you doing things? 
Like, what are the things that, that kids are talking about these days? So that it gives them an opportunity to share with you so that there is that space without judgment and without your opinion. <laughs> mm. I've learned to carefully phrase the questions when you want to connect and get answers. Like, for example, my 15-year-old is a girl, and, you know, you can't just say, how was your day? Fine. <laughs> it's like, you have to, don't even bother. You, you just, right? You, you can't, you're just wasting your time. So I once said to her, eh, maybe it was last year. I said, what's it feel like to have the, the best hair of any girl on this planet? And that phrase it just a different way. And she says, well, if, if, you know, it feels good. I, I like the way it looks. I changed it a little bit, blah, blah, blah. It's just, it's, yeah, I think we need to be very intentional when we're communicating with our, our teens. Well, and, and the thing about the question about how was your day? Okay. So oftentimes, you know, you haven't seen your kids during the day. You're at, you come home at the end of the day and you're excited to see them and say, Hey honey, how was your day? Well, they've been in their day for eight hours. They're done with their day. <laughs> That's, so, so the first thing that ends up happening is, you know, you're excited about wanting to know about what's gone on with them. So how was your day? What happened today? Nothing. What did you do today? Nothing. Well, what do you mean? You were away for eight hours, right? So you're escalating a little bit, trying to hold yourself together, and they're becoming a little bit more apathetic because they have already had that day. You asked about their day. You didn't ask about them. Mm. Now, there's two things that happen with that. One is that you might want to say, okay, I'll give you a little time, and, you know, you go off for a couple of minutes and and do whatever, and, you know, I'll grab a cup of tea or something. Do you want something? And let's, let's regroup in a little bit of time because in that way you're giving them space. They'd, they've been in that day for eight hours or how many ever hours. And, you know, they've probably had some frustrating times there. They have their worries. They have concerns. They have stuff that's going on, good or bad or any place in between. But they're heartbroken because you haven't asked about them, and you're heartbroken because you can't seem to be able to connect. And so that's the difference. And then you can say, you know what, I, I just I don't know everything. I just want to be able to have conversation with you. And sometimes I don't, you know, I don't want to piss you off. I don't want to be aggravated with you all the time. So how can we make this different that we can share together or that we can do something together? And that that goes along with that very thing about, um, you know, when you get mad at them because they, they continue to leave their, their mug on top of the dishwasher. And, you know, the counter is right there. The dishwasher is right underneath it. And you've asked them 15 times, could you just do that? And then you bring that around and say, look it, you know, I don't want to continue to yell at you. And I know that it's frustrating for you. So you invite them into conversation to be able to come up with, you know, suggestions that they might have about things that are going on too. You bring up a word that is so key, frustration, because when you ask that question, you're just trying to, you, know, you just want to connect. You could talk about yep. anything. You could talk about the weather. You can't, but I'm just saying it could be any topic. And, you know, what's, what's relevant? They just came home. And uh, you're kind of curious how things went that day. 
And when they don't give you an answer or they give you the one word answer, then that frustration ensues. And then right away you feel as a parent rejected, you don't feel connected and, 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 and they can sense the energy. They can feel it. Right. What are some of the ways that you can keep that connection going? Like we're, we're, you know, we're talking about rephrasing questions and things like that. What's, what are some of the things that we can do? Well, I mean, with something like that, you know, again, it's an opportunity to be able to say, you know, and, and not in a, because we also have to look at the words we use, the tone and how we show up because here's what we know that, you know, we all have a background. We all have experiences from our past, good, bad, or indifferent, whatever they are. And part of that shows up in front of us. As much as we think that we've been able to, you know, fix them, arrange them, ignore them, whatever, or stuff them someplace, there's, there's still a part of that that shows up in the way we show up, in the way we hear people, in the way we speak, in the way we listen, and so on. And our kids have those filters as well. So... If they anticipate that you're a yeller all the time or someone who loses their cool all the time, then they're going to listen in that space. So they're going to give you less because they don't want to hear the yelling and the screaming and so on. <clears throat> and this is, you know, this is, a, this is a long journey. This isn't, you know, I'm going to sit down with you, we're going to have this talk, and then, you know, every, all, everything will be magical because that doesn't happen. But what you could say some of the things that, that need to be said in order for kids to understand and regroup is to, to say things like, you know, this isn't working as well as I'd like to. You know, it seems that every time we have a conversation, you only say one word and it's not very helpful for me because I don't know what sometimes what that word means to you because here's what I speak. I see that, you know, that you're angry or annoyed or upset or that's what it looks like to me. And all I want to do is just to know what's going on so that if I can help support you, I will. If there's something you want to share with me, uh, because I, you know, and, and again, it's about invitation. It's a, you know, it's not going to happen the very first time you say it if it's not something that you've been modeling. Because this is a model for them based on how you show up in the world, too. Because although they might not say anything, they're always watching and they're always listening. Mm, that's a really good point. <laughs> yeah, you may think that they shut down or they tuned out. No, they're, they're still there. They're still watching. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's look at your history. 35 years uh, of uh, just in the education field, where did this all begin for you, Elizabeth? <laughs> in grade three. Really? When I, oh yeah, when I liked my uh, phys ed teacher, and I thought, gee, that might be one thing I want to do. And I had, I had three things on my list of uh, my future endeavors. One of them was to be a teacher. The other one was, at that point in time, they used to call them stewardesses. Uh, we now know them as flight attendants. Um, and the third one was being a police officer. And two of those were a little bit challenging at that time because there were criteria that uh, they don't seem to exist at, in, at the same anymore. So there used to be a time where, you know, you had to be a certain height and you, you know, uh, had to speak more than one language, which was at, because I'm originally from Montreal, 
any business and industry that you were in, that was an expectation. I managed, but not well enough to, to be able to converse full-time in French. Anyway, that was, and then the police officer thing, you had to be a certain height, and, um, and there were other criteria. And it was like, well, at that point in time, I didn't fit very many of those criteria. So I went into uh, recreation first, um, and I did a, um, a certificate in uh, leadership and recreation, and then I worked in, then I, I moved in and I did my um, master's degree in um, leadership and development in um, um, nonprofits and, uh, what do you call it, um, oh, what's the word I'm thinking, sorry, um, I just lost my train of thought. So I went into that first, and then as I was doing my undergraduate degree, I helped um, in the phys ed department on the master's level, and then I went that route. So it was a little bit awkward, and, you know, it took a little bit longer time, but I really enjoyed the opportunity. Then I taught right away because as part of my master's degree, I received a fellowship, and uh, so they paid for my education, and at the same time, I was teaching and learning and uh, being a teacher right away, and so that was really helpful. Is there something in in your career that really stands out for you that you know you say, "Wow, that that either a defining moment or one that you really enjoyed"? Yeah, gosh, there are so many of them um, because I have I've had a, a spectacular career. Um, yes, there have been some you know pitfalls and and peaks and valleys. Uh, do I have one in particular? Hmm, that's really hard to say. Um, I, I can't think of anything hmm. like, a, you know, I've had a couple of, of um, students who have gone on to, well, because I like hockey, so they've gone on to the NHL. Uh, I have someone that I taught and was having a real struggle and is now a very successful entrepreneur in a field that he really wanted to be in, although he was teased and bullied and all kinds of stuff going on when he was at school. He chose that particular profession because it was something that he really wanted to do. Um, I, you know, I've had students who have, uh, you know, gone on to do professions, or they, you know, they have children and they come back to the school and they share, and they, you know, they bring their kids with them. <clears throat> you know, so there's all kinds of really fabulous things that have happened along the way, and they've also had some heartbreaking things. I have, I have had parents call me after. Um, you know, kids have passed away from illness, and several, uh, and I'm talking more than a handful uh, of parents who have called and said they had no idea when they had lost their child to suicide. Wow. Uh, you must have seen a lot over the years. Yeah. 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 Well, it's a day exciting, too, because not two days are the same. <laughs> True. Yeah, there's always something different. And now you've you've you've, you've kind of pivoted in a, uh, a a different direction to to help parents. Let's talk about you as an author. You've uh, you've got some books out, correct? Yes, I've contributed to uh, now going on nine uh, best-selling books. Uh, I've been a contributing author in those. I've written a book of my own. And different articles and so on. I'm in the process of writing a second book called Courageous Conversations in the Workplace because as many of those things are happening, you know, bullying is rampant, mental health concerns, absenteeism, uh, harassment, all those things that happen in school also happen in workplace. 
you you said the word bullying and it was resonating in my mind. I I was bullied as a kid elementary school. It's and it's it's big now, probably even more because of social media. Yep. Let's focus on that for just a couple of minutes. If you were directing a parent who told you that their child was being bullied, what would your suggestion be to deal with that whole situation? Well, I have a couple of suggestions, and one of them is that they should, not should, that it would be a recommendation for me to have them go to their school and have a conversation with their administration, and not in a, not in, in sort of a, a, an aggressive kind of way, but really, because I use this word often, and I use it on purpose, and it's about an invitation, because here's what happens. Oftentimes, you know, parents will come in and they'll be really angry because they'll have listened to their kid, right? And, and so they should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but there, there needs to be a balance in this, too. <laughs> and I have a couple of stories that I'd like to share with you if we have the time. Um, so when they go into the school, oftentimes that, that very child might not have said anything to the teacher might not have had any conversation with anybody, and they're trying to work it out themselves. But they go home and they feel frustrated and they feel annoyed or they they feel like, you know, somebody's told them to die and, you know, they don't get notes anymore. They get stuff on their cell phone. Um, And so that needs to be a, a conversation that the school has with the parent as well to be able to come up with some kind of plan. Because oftentimes we don't know in advance. So it's up to me as the principal, and I'll just use me as the example, right, for me to be able to go to the, the, the teacher and say, what have you heard, and have conversation with some of the kids, so that I get a bigger, better understanding of what the situation is. And then I'm able to have that conversation with a parent and say, here's what appears to be happening, and here are some strategies that, you can do at home. And so some of those strategies are things like start having different kinds of conversation with your kids. Talk about what they see, their interpret or the child, what the child sees, what their interpretation of whatever the situation is, so that the parent has something to work with in terms of being able to teach different kinds of skills, like resiliency, like saying, you know, and, and the sticks and stones thing doesn't work anymore, but it's still a space of saying, here's what you can say the next time this kid comes up to you. You know, I thank you. I'm, I'm done with this conversation. Or, you know, depending on their age, too, because if they're six, the conversation obviously is going to be a little different than if they're 15, right? <clears throat> but really, it's, it's a space of being able to, have conversation with them and give them some skills and then check in with them and say, so how did it go when you said this? Or did you have the courage to be able to say it? Because the bottom line with this is that kids who bully are hurting too. And they are just trying to get that, whatever that is, away from them. So those parents, we need to be able to have conversation with those parents as well and to be able to give suggestions and ideas and strategies for them to be able to help with what's going on with their kids. 
We need to be responsible for making it stop. What I get from you, Elizabeth, is if you're going to engage or deal yeah. with the situation, due diligence, get the facts, get the details, yeah. get as much as you can so you have something to work with. We're out of time. I could keep going. There's so much here to to talk about. We, uh, as parents of teens, are dealing with it all the time. If somebody wants to connect with you, how do they? What's the best way to do that? I know that uh, you're you're working on your website, finishing up some uh, some things there. How's that? What's another way to connect? Uh, Elizabeth at courageousnetwork.com. So you can email me directly. We can have conversation. If there's somebody who needs some support and wants to, to you know work with me, then I'd be delighted to do that. Fantastic talking with you. I just love your your fresh and get to it approach <laughs> you know it's like you're 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 like get out of the way we're gonna get this fixed and uh it's refreshing it's fantastic and i'm looking forward next time we get a chance to get together thanks for being here thanks have a great day you too we'll be right back broadcasting from the business capital of the world this is the podcast business news network What I know about courage, I learned from my adoptive mom. She said sometimes you just gotta hold on and know we'll get through this. Mom, we are so high up. Hold my hand. (laughs) No, you hold my hand. Here we go. (laughs) Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. I learned patience from my adoptive dad. All he had to say was, Hey, you got this. Just breathe. Hey. (laughs) We're pretty good. Yeah. (laughs) Might have to start a band. (laughs) I got it. Learn about adopting a teen from foster care. You can't imagine the reward. (laughs) Visit AdoptUSKids.org to find out more. This message is brought to you by AdoptUSKids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council.